You're listening to the Hit City Podcast with Billy Graves and Suki Suburbia. I am Billy Graves. Welcome to the Hit City Podcast on the Slasher Sports Show. Let me go ahead and get my co-host in here. I see you're wearing some kind of wild hat to cover that wild hair. Hey, y'all. It's is. Suki. It is Suki, indeed. What are you wearing? None of your business. You know I was a crime okay. scene tech. This is my crime scene hat. I'm wearing oh. my police, my official crime scene hat right now. So you would have to wear that on site to look around? Mm-hmm. and. When I went to calls during the winter, it was part of the protocol. So what did you do when you would go on on scene you like you got a cigar and look around like oh my god something like that that was exactly what happened and then i would have my leather jacket with my high-heeled boots and a wind machine and a wind machine okay listen i I know for a fact that fro ain't blowing anywhere (laughs) you're such a hater i would go to the scene and collect evidence and process the evidence and, and and then talk at um you know trials and stuff so you basically had to snitch on people absolutely for the state for the state okay you and now you're an enemy of the state okay because i'm with you billy yes i wouldn't have it any other way though but look guys we are uh slasher sports you can find us on twitter and tiktok at slasher sports duh and on instagram at slasher sports media and we want to hear from you listeners so go to the link tree in the bio to this episode, and that's where you're going to find a link to our podcast messages. Leave us a question or a comment, and we will probably get you played here on the podcast. We liked hearing from our good friend Colby about uh, you know the, the Grinch horror flick. Still mm-hmm. wanting that to happen. Our good friend Alex from Alabama. Alex from Alabama. Did you or did you not find him on Twitter? I did find him. Thank you, Alex. See, you didn't respond to me when I asked you a question. The, the, the account you showed me said he was from Georgia. So is he just ashamed to be from Alabama? I think he's trying to re- remain anonymous. And I think he likes alliteration, which I also appreciate very much. You know I appreciate some good alliteration. Sally sells seashells by the seashore. Do it. Now. <laughs> Do it. I can't. Do it. Sally sells seashells me... by the seashore. Do it. Do it. I can't do it. I have a very big problem with S's. Like, what's the ocean? What's the ocean? The sea. It's the Pacific, but you want to be specific. Oh, (laughs) I had a manager who used to say, being more Pacific about... That's me. I will tell you to be the ocean. I would get so angry because why am I answering to a man... Who mm-hmm. doesn't know the difference between specific and Pacific? Mm-hmm. That was it's me. Just, it's if you're, and I'm not even a grammar Nazi. That's not grammar. That's just saying the wrong word. I also say salmon. Okay, you're wrong for that because it is salmon. <laughs> and I just always think about all the dates I've been on where I just ordered that out loud. Like I knew what I was you, doing. You should just be like, I'll have the fish. No, I'll have the salmon. Thank you, boo. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I I'd usually stay away from from seafood, but if I know the girl, if I don't like the girl, I'll take her to it. And I know that she doesn't like seafood. I'll go there, and I'll do it just for the halibut, just for the halibut. You did a dad joke. I did a dad joke because I'm in real life a dad. <laughs> I didn't do that just for any old porpoise. 
oh my god it's just gonna get worse from here it's gonna get worse you know what it can't get worse it can only get get better it can get worse you know why skeletons don't go to uh, dances by themselves oh tell me why they have no body to go with boom sookie's dad joke that's a dad joke and a sad story at once (laughs) that's depressing Mm-mm-mm. Nobody you amuse yourself nobody. before you before you amuse anybody else, and I that's the key. Know. That's the key to living a happy life. Take care of old number one. Take care of old number one, and you're nobody, doing that. Nobody. Okay, that was so much better than halibut, but no, nobody because the skeleton. Okay. What's a skeleton's favorite R&B singer? What? It's Keith Sweat. Nobody, baby. Come on. Touche. Touche, sir. Well, lastly, everybody, if you're enjoying Hit City, and gosh, I pray to all the gods in Valhalla that you are. But next time you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. Helps get a little higher up in that site searchability. We want people not having to scroll so far to find us. You know, we're we're not out here doing this for our health. We're doing it because we like doing it. Okay. Mm. I guess it is our health, though. Put that oh, I was about to say, it does help. It does help with the health. Yeah. But I see, yeah, I see where you were going. There's a fine line, though, between serotonin and melatonin. You know what I'm saying? Oh. You need to make people happy or make them sleepy. And I'm not trying to make them sleepy. Right, right. Mm, that's deeper than you think it is. It'll, it'll hit you in a few minutes. And you're going to be like, I'll be damned. Billy does know what he's talking about. Exactly. Mm. Well, this episode was going to be about the anniversary of the film Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. Yeah, but we. Uh, so, yeah, well, we things change. The card is always subject to change, is it not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, happy anniversary to Sarah Romer, Justin Long, and everybody who was involved in the making of the film, except the director, of course, right? Right. Oh, you don't know why. I, I can already see on your face. You don't know why we're excluding the director. I was looking on camera. Okay. Oh, mm, yeah. So we're not even going to name drop him. But yeah, in 1988, the director of Jeepers Creepers was convicted of sexual misconduct. Yeah, he's a, he's a dirtbag. Uh, yeah. One of the uh, clown house underage stars, who was all of 12 at the time. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and of course, he videotaped one of the encounters. Real, real sleazebag. Commercial videotapes and magazines uh, containing child pornography were found in his home. Uh, this guy pled, pled guilty. Is it pleaded or pled? Pled. Thank you. This dude pled guilty to lewd conduct, oral sex with a person under 14, and procuring a child for pornography. Not just owning child pornography, but procuring a child for pornography. How that That's like the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, 1988. What year did uh, Jeepers Creepers come out? Was it? I don't know. Like, Oh three to oh five somewhere around in there oh six maybe mm-hmm. I know I was already back from the military which was oh five um so I, that's when I saw it anyway it may have been out already but that guy never should have even been hired to begin with yeah so forget, they always for, for, know they always know yeah for, for, forget about the fact that you know th- this is a an easy thing to find. You run one little background check. And I'm not trying to say that people who've been to prison and paid their dues shouldn't be employable. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to do their dream jobs. I can tell mm-hmm. you that. No, they don't. Not they don't. all of them. Yeah. They, can't. they can't have no, you, the same access. 
with you this can't have the same access exactly now, i don't know if there were any i don't think there were any kids on on set on jeepers creepers but i know jeepers creepers probably wasn't his first film that he worked on when he came back mm-hmm. but yeah he he was sentenced to three years in, in state prison um and then he, well, he served 15 months 15 months okay that's a year and three months mm-hmm. that's nothing i could do that standing on my head mm-hmm. maybe not in tennessee maybe like some quiet prison like montana or something but i couldn't I, I could i could do that standing on my head but he completed his parole in 92 okay never should have never should have even been in the position to give us this excellent film so when but did he this did. come out that that this was like so after after he makes the film then everybody's like oh oh no yeah plenty after i mean it it probably came out to the general public during the internet era okay because oh, that's yeah. when you could start really digging in, into things. I mean, just think back then, you know, news drops and it may be local and you're just not going to know it. There are people that swear to God they knew that Bill Murray was a dirtbag this whole time. But nobody knew that. Nobody really mm-hmm. knew until this most recent movie where he got kicked off set and they scrapped the project or whatever happened. And he's being mean to people on set. But 2001, like, the, 2001 is when Jeepers Creepers came out or when mm-hmm. it came out. That's when it or came when out. Was, the, the movie. The movie came out in 2001. Damn. That much before, huh? Well, yeah. Well, well, that was, that was right yeah. after I joined the, the, the Navy then. Mm-hmm. So then we'll get another one in 2003. Okay, so maybe part two is when when I heard... Well, he did the first two, I'm pretty sure. I don't um, think he had anything to do... Is there a third one? Yeah. Yes, I don't think he had anything to do with the third one. And I think we're actually getting a fourth one pretty soon. Okay. Pretty sure okay. about that. But he, he hasn't had anything to do with any of them since that one but you know a lot of i guess i should get the consensus opinion because it's always been one of those weird things like when you know somebody's a dirtbag do you boycott their films do you well what do you do i mean do you boycott their companies um like after the fact we didn't know about this until after jeepers creepers and i tell you what watching that film it, it has not slowed anybody down from watching that film it is still a favorite of the masses it's one of my favorite films period in Mm -hmm. horror first of all it gave us uh, a brand new i guess figurehead Mm -hmm. or recognizable villain we didn't have that we'd kind of been sitting around watching scream uh friday the 13th halloween nightmare on elm street Mm -hmm. all the chucky flicks which got silly after the third one but we didn't have any real new killers in film until jeepers creepers came along so yeah great job there but you don't deserve any of what you have but at the same time you look at the cast you look at the crew and there's so many people that worked hard on this project and deserve the accolades and the recognition no it's just like the cosby show mm -hmm. so much talent on that show all ruined by one person yeah so so what do you do money it's hollywood's fault it's not our it's a little different though it's a little different because uh bill cosby was the star of this film or uh, was the star of the show Mm -hmm. right he's he's right there on camera the whole time and it's impossible to not look at the tv screen and think about what he did whereas the director of jeepers creepers is nowhere to be found in the film all you see is justin long sarah romer um the creeper himself which i still don't remember who who played the creep uh, it may not even be the same person but right it's a, it's well, a little different in the psyche well i mean no because the people on 
on set of Cosby should still get paid, just like the people mm-hmm. on Jeepers Creepers should still get paid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they should still get their royalty check. They put in that work. If anything, it's the people in charge. It's fault. Now we're in this position, just like R. Kelly. You know what I mean? Like, now I'm in this position to, like, have to decide between do I believe I can fly? And no, no, I do not believe I can fly. No, in I fa- do I'm not. quite certain I can't. I'm certain that I cannot. Someone should have stopped before I have to be in this moral dilemma. I once hurt my ankle jumping off my front porch with an umbrella, thinking I could glide down like Mary Poppins. This is is a true story. We've all tried it. We've all tried it. Have we? Okay, good. I'm just trying to establish that I'm not stupid at all, but I have jumped off a porch with an umbrella thinking I could glide down. Yeah. I didn't understand physics at four years old. Nobody, yeah. nobody does. Yeah. No, not at all. But yeah, that, that's that's what we have. Yeah, happy anniversary to Jeepers Creepers. Um, well, I wanted to but, talk about this one part in the film that was very beautiful. Talk about multiple. In this one section, the creeper is eating a head in front of a sign, a billboard that states, this is delicious meat. And I thought, well, isn't that funny? It was, he's <laughs> just sitting there. <laughs> And the billboard is like, meat is delicious. That was good. I hate, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sad about saying that I love the film. I just don't give that guy any credit for it. Mm-hmm. Justin Long did a great job of instilling fear. Sarah Romer was great as the level-headed sister. Mm-hmm. The Creeper is scary as fuck. Okay, especially mm-hmm. in the scene where they're driving by that old house and they see the guy carrying a body, which they don't know if it's a body. They see him throw the body down the well or into, I think it's a well. It is maybe just like an old storage cellar or um, something. Like that. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. But suddenly he stops and he turns towards him and you know he's looking at the car driving by. And then short, shortly after that, you know, he's, he's on the chase again. But that, that view, the first view we get with the hat and the trench coat, that is some scary shit. And mm-hmm. I love it. And that scene alone stays in my head when I watch the film. Like, when is when is that part coming up? Mm-hmm. But it's a very cleverly done film. Part two wasn't quite as good, but it was still good. Um, never saw three. And I hate to admit that I never saw three, but I haven't. <laughs> but hey, here we have the, uh, the anniversary. So happy almost 20 years, 19 years. Something, yeah, something like that. Well, then, okay, so the there's a uh, actress in there the black lady who like leads the, them the one huh? that warns them yeah the 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 all-knowing lady yeah so i had this like theory i was going to throw out here saying that if you have a black oracle you'll survive so i was going to look up all of these films that have black oracles and i started with the matrix but it was debunked because apparently the black oracle was part of the matrix which i guess i missed that and now I'm going to have to reevaluate my black oracles. So, well, if you started with Jeepers Creepers as your black oracle uh, paradigm of hope, then it's probably misled because Justin Long's character, he dead as fuck in this movie. But the strong person survived, you know, like the sister is still there. Yes, but wasn't the whole argument that the Creeper took him because he was stronger at certain things? Because the Creeper only eats the parts of you that are strong. And um, that, oh, that's wait, why I he... That. I thought he took him because he was weaker. Mm-mm. He he ate, he consumed his eyes. 
I think mm-hmm. because they were strong. Um, everybody has their, you know, their their strong points, right? And mm-hmm. the reason that he would take these people, he would eat your eyes and then gain your ability to see to see well. Uh, okay. He would, you know, eat something else because it was a stronger part. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that is food for thought, though. The the, the black oracle. I tried it. I tried it. I what did. were your other examples besides Jeepers Creepers and The Matrix? The Stand. Very good. Very good. Um, I, I guess in some sense you have to think about whether or not that oracle is metaphorical or if it's a literal oracle. Um, mm. You might look at, you know, th- that oracle being the the center of guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't you say Larry Fishburne would be Trey's oracle in Boys of the Hood? Right. And, and their tray was just living it up. Cuba being Cuba. And, and, and poor Ricky, he's he gets shot up. Leading you down the right path. But I don't know. I got, like I said, I got debunked midway through. So is yeah. this the second time we've talked about boys in the hood on the show? Don't. Is it? I think. I don't know. I feel like I told you the story. Maybe because I think I told you about the story where the first time I saw this film, I was pretty young. Okay, I'm 40 now. I must have been 10 years old when I saw it. But at the end of the movie, when Cube pours out that 40, of course, he's pouring one out for the homie. Who ain't here? My dumbass, my naive, ignorant ass is thinking, oh, Ricky's death is making him stop drinking. That's cool. No, no, we're still going to drink. We're going to drink some more. A but this is a little sum. This is a little sum for him. Yeah, just a little something for Ricky. Yeah, but not, but, uh, but to ten year here ten year old Billy Graves, he's thinking he's kicking the the drinking habit. I was proud of did him. You, did you not hear that? I tip a forty to his memories, and I take a that drink and nothing. That didn't mean anything that to me. That didn't mean anything to me. No, that was just that was so we were all like nine, like I tip a forty, like yeah, we were too Kool Aid with the a forty the idea was there. The idea was there. It sucked being naive. It was terrible. I didn't get any of the references. I just knew that anybody wearing an L.A. Raiders hat was evil. Oh, God. But then, like, the second black film that I saw was Fear of a Black Hat. And I really enjoyed that one. So it kind of balanced out for me. I think Fear of a Black Hat was um, like a parody for Boys in the Hood almost. Except they were... It wasn't really a parody, but... It was definitely comedic based, and I really liked it. I thought forever that Easy E played the lead character in Fear of a Black Hat, but it was not him at all. No, it was not him at all. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. I didn't know people back then. The only black people I knew at nine years old were Run DMC and the guys from NWA, and I had to keep those guys secret. I couldn't those, tell my mom that. Those are good ones to know, but okay. I know. <laughs> I know. I had two things. I had two things for my mom. My NWA greatest hits cassette tape. And oh. and my Eddie Murphy Delirious cassette tape. Oh. Yeah. But hey, well, both I lived in heavily influenced me. Huh? Both heavily influenced me, though. It's, okay. Um, when, I, when I lived in Hawaii, I didn't get uh, the Daisy Duke song until like six months later. So people were already done with the Daisy Dukes. Yeah, that's, that's kind of wild. I wasn't in Hawaii, but I was on deployment. Um, when I left for my deployment... Like, different things were popular mm-hmm. than when I got home from deployment. Mm-hmm. And when I got home from deployment, I was hearing, I got hoes mm. in different area codes. Yes. And people were already done with it. That's the one song I remember people kind of be like, okay, Billy, you're 
You're a little passive. You're like, no, no. You were like. No, I was like, no, this ain't hot to me yet. This is just getting warmed up. Okay. I think Mac 10 came out with an album right after that that I was behind on. I believe it was Hate in Your Eyes. And yeah. Everybody had moved on. Okay. Everybody moved on. (laughs) It took a minute to get caught back up is all I'm going to say. It does. It does. Well, how's your week been, Suki? Good. It's been really good. How about yourself, Billy? I think, no, I I think you're, I think you're lying to me. Okay. You've not had a good week. You told me you haven't had a good week. I had a great week. Mm, It's okay. It was a lot of work. I had a lot of work, a lot. And then for some reason, everyone has decided we're no longer on our two year hiatus of just chilling. So I don't know when everybody decided this, but I, I'm still here. Yeah. I thought we were still chilling. Yeah. Well, work happened this week. Yeah. Work happened. It happens to the best of us. So if uh, you're having a rough week, reach out to a friend. Um, because we don't want to end up having to pour one out for the homie. We've got to take care of each other. Definitely. So I did reach sure. out to Bill and he said it's been a rough week. Mm, see, as long as we can get it taken care of, we can get through the rough stuff. Even if we can't do it alone, we'll get through it. Well, I took a little me day on Wednesday. Yeah, that that would have been the middle of this week at time of recording. Took a little me day. Caught a couple of flicks, a couple of back-to-backs. Caught a pro wrestling event in Nashville, which was fantastic. It was a, it was a madhouse. But I got to see the film The Invitation. Mm-hmm. And The Invitation we talked about last week in our opening segment. Mm-hmm. A little vampire flick with a, a handsome vampire just there to, to deceive the pretty young oh, lady. I love deception. And, yeah, and I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, Natalie Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. plays Evie in this film. And again, I will say Hammer of the Gods, Natalie Emmanuel. Hammer of the Gods. And how was the movie? I can't remember. She was a Hammer of the Gods. Mm-hmm. No, the, the, the movie was fine. Um, I actually, if, if I have to give you a rating, and I feel like I do have to give you a rating, out of 10, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Now keep in mind, a 6.5 might sound terrible to you, but in the landscape of film... That's a watchable film. It's almost a seven. In the theater. You were in the theater. Mm-hmm. It was on. Okay. I, okay. I might not. If, if, I, if I knew what the movie was all that, because that's kind of the trick to it. You don't know yeah. how good the movie is when you go see it, right? Yeah. But if it was up to me, if it was up to me to go into a theater and, and pay movie ticket prices for that, I would not do that. However, I would take the time to catch it out on demand. I would mm. see it video on demand and I would be happy that I saw it at home. Um, in the case that you've got maybe a, a movie membership or something, mm-hmm. by all means, go see it. Pretty good film. There's uh, some some undertones of maybe some messages from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are you know, very valid. Very, you know, th- It's not really pressed in this film. But we've got some rich, white, aristocratic type vampires mm-hmm. in inviting thus the name the invitation okay. inviting the young caramel skinned curly haired goddess natalie That's emmanuel me. oh natalie okay oh where did you go in your head just now? You said caramel, and I just woke up like, oh, that's me. But we are talking about the movie. I'm ready. Yeah. You asked me how was the movie, and I'm trying to tell yep. you. And you're trying to Sorry. inject yourself into the storyline. You said you got some rich, uh, aristocratic-type vampires, and you were all in. Sign me up. <laughs> Don't you worry how I enjoy these conversations, Billy. 
keep going. So the movie was watchable. Mm-hmm. And her friend Courtney Taylor, play, uh, actually her friend Grace, played by Courtney Taylor, mm-hmm. says, mm, like, listen, I know you're light-skinned. You want to meet these people. Right. But one, one thing that worried me, though, I don't want any young, impressionable ladies to go into this film and say, you know what? I, too, will accept random invitations from strangers on the Internet doesn't matter we'll, we'll meet at a restaurant or something and it'll be just fine because we'll be surrounded by people that can jump in and help me i feel like this invitation was hastily accepted too hastily accepted for modern day times she would this okay listen you can't be pretty and smart i get it you can't be you have to be one or the other i exist beyonce is real Natalie Emmanuel, who plays Evie, Evie was not both of these things. Evie was one of these things. And I already told you which hammerific thing she was. Okay? Okay. So Evie very hastily accepts this invitation from her new cousin, who's played by this Yahoo... Actually, I don't even see him on the cast. I don't know who it was. Actually, yes, I do. By, by Hugh Skinner. His last name's Skinner. You, you don't trust a man with the last name Skinner, okay? He will skin you alive. But his name's Oliver in the film. I don't know if I like that either. Oliver is very British. Well, within the first 20 minutes of this film, he's already talked her into, into going to England to check out this wedding of more family members who are just so excited to see her. It sounds great. And, of course, there's also the part that she was vulnerable. She had mm-hmm. just lost her mother to cancer a few months back. She's lonely. She's only got her best friend, Grace. So, I mean, I, I can't really be too too hard on her. She wanted more family, and this looked like legit family. And when she got there, she was spoiled to the nines and kind of started falling for this guy named Walt. Walt. Hey, Walt. Listen, Thomas Doherty's a handsome devil, but he was just a little bit too handsome in this film, okay? He mm-hmm. was too handsome. He was, he was too handsome. He, yeah, he was a little too handsome. Like, he just, he was a little bit of a tryhard when it came to being charming. So that was kind of a turnoff. And, it, and and maybe that's why I can't stand romantic films, because there's always some charmer that, like, am I supposed to see that as the as the viewer? Because I you're think it's cheesy. You're supposed to see through it, because you're rooting for her to also see through it. Most definitely, but she doesn't see through it. She's all about it. Like by thirty, like twenty minutes in, she's on a plane. Thirty minutes behind, she, she's got her feet behind her ears. Okay, she's she's about that life. But I will say this thing goes in a direction that you don't normally expect it to go. And I won't go any further than that because right. we do want this to be a film. Right? Yeah, we're not trying to spoil this one. This is a preview or I guess a review without a spoiler. Mm-hmm. So with that said, go see this film, The Invitation, because I think you'll like it. It's in theaters. But I guess we should talk about some, some more upcoming film. Did you ever see The Black Phone? I don't think you did, did you? No. See, I, th- I think that's that's one that you should see because it is now available mm-hmm. on on demand i think it's on peacock maybe pluto tv i think it's peacock as a matter of fact okay so yeah we're we're, we're gonna get that going over this week but okay. the reason i ask if you've seen that one there's a film coming out on september 2nd it's called harbinger okay and i saw the teaser to this film lady in a pin dot dress you know the difference between pin dots and polka dots yes okay well i had a, a manager at another job her name we'll, we'll we won't use a real name we'll say her name is la sharon <laughs> oh, it's clever 
Yeah, thank you. So, LaSharon, I'm here to tell you, pin dots and polka dots are not the same thing. Okay, now that that's out of the way, this lady in a pin dot dress, uh-huh. and she's looking out into her backyard, okay? And there are dead animals everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, I saw a skunk hanging from a tree limb. Saw a coyote laid out. Pretty sure, uh, pretty sure I saw a deer draped over a bird bath. That might have been my imagination getting the best of me. Mm-hmm. The lady turns around and her daughter's just there staring at her. Just looking at her. I think it's her daughter. And that daughter is played by someone who recently impressed me, Suki. And I'm not that I'm anybody to impress. I'm not. Right. Okay, I'm just, I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude that likes scary movies. Right. But Madeline McGraw was mm-hmm. the little girl. And you'd know her from the black phone. She's the little girl who put up that very believable performance in the black phone. Very believable. There was a scene where she's getting whooped by her daddy. And she's crying her eyes out. And I thought, oh my God, this this girl's got it. I thought she's he was not. really, I thought he was beating that ass. He was not though. So is she the harbinger? So the when it comes to the harbinger, there is, there's a lot going on in this thing. Because first I saw the teaser. Okay. And mm. then I said, nah, that's not enough. That's not enough context for me. Let me see if there's another trailer out there. So I checked IMDb. Lo and behold, there's a full trailer. Okay. Now, let me just say, director Will Clipstein, back in 1996, Clipstein had a gun to his head for 15 minutes in a failed robbery attempt. Really? A failed robbery attempt, gun to his head, 15 minutes. And despite it being two years after he'd been in L.A., don't even know where he's from originally, but he'd been in L.A. for two years. He cites that as the moment that he observed the fragility of life and decided that a life unpursued is a life unfulfilled. Yeah. And he got after it. Yeah. 2022 rolls around, he's got this big film, and I think this is a film that can do big things for him. Like I said, Madeline McGraw from The Black Phone. It's got Irene Better. You know, some of uh, our listeners might know as the voice of Pocahontas from the Disney film mm-hmm. in her in her much younger years. <laughs> but, you know, th- there's a, a lot more than just dead animals laying on the ground, okay? So you just asked me a question, and, uh, you know, the dead animals laying on, on the ground, uh, th- that's just a, a typical Tuesday in Virginia, okay? Uh, absolutely. Right? See? Yeah. But, appa- but apparently... The great Satan himself has a hold on the little girl, Madeline McGraw here. It's got a hold on her. And the the grown-ups have to get her back. But there's a man going around. He's taking names, Suki. He's taking names. The harbinger, as it were. He is the harbinger. The one who brings the evil with him. He is the sign of the evil that follows. Yes. You You feel what I'm saying? Yes. This one's dark, and uh, in the longer trailer, we, uh, guaranteed. I, I didn't even notice, mm-hmm. but I guaranteed it. Um, it's dark, and in that longer trailer, we get a, a full look at the devil himself, and that doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. Okay, More times than not, we have Satan used as an ambiguous spirit um, that's felt but not seen more times than not. But no, in this film, there's a full head-to-toe embodiment of the devil, and it is impressive. I will be seeing this one. And he's scary looking. Okay. He's scary looking. And yeah, right. you look so excited. I wish the people I, I, could see your I, face. You know, I don't even like paranormal, supernatural, religious films. None of the above. None of the above. No, that is not my cup of tea. But over the last, what, three weeks, mm-hmm. I found three of them that I yeah. enjoy. Yeah. Our, yeah. our good friend, 
Patrick Ray came on and told us about his film, They Wait in the Dark. They Wait in the Loved Dark. It. it was amazing. The, the, we, we just couldn't predict that, the, the way this thing would end, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't predict the ending of The Invitation. This one, I feel like it's going to be uh, that unholy trinity that I've been looking for. Something that might get me back into you know, <laughs> paranormal films. Yay. We're going to see. But you know what we also haven't had in a while? We haven't had a good creature feature. Yeah. We've not, we've not had one. But uh, I don't have the math in front of me. But uh, it does feel like for every creature feature, every one creature feature, mm-hmm. you know, there's three supernatural horrors that follow basically the same formula. Mm-hmm. And there, there's not not really much much different about it. Okay. But what I'm talking about right now a film called All Eyes, not Tupac's All Eyes on Me, wow. just All Eyes. It's about a recently fired podcast host, <laughs> not unlike us. We're just not fired yet. I don't know who's going to fire us, but... Who would um, fire us? I, I don't know, but somebody could come along and do it. Maybe Anchor doesn't like our stuff, and they're going to they're gonna get us. But, you know, this fired podcast host comes across... First of all, Suki, how do you get fired from being a podcast host? You just started another one. Maybe they're on a syndicated show, and they're getting fired from that one. Stop putting logic into this. I'm just okay. kidding. Well... Oh, anyway, this this fired podcast host comes across a story mm-hmm. that he feels could revitalize his career, much like what we've done here, okay? And that story is a recently widowed farmer claiming there's a monster living in the woods behind his farm. And what's the plan? Trap and kill the monster. Oh. Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me all the way up. Why can't people just be fired from a a newspaper job? Oh, there's no newspapers. Or fired from UPS. Why can't I guess because then he wouldn't be looking for the creature. Okay, it makes sense. The podcast makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, like finding a monster doesn't make FedEx pick him up. You know. Right. 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 But but finding a monster blows his own project up. That that's why I've got you. I want you to find a monster. Find our monster to make us Oprah famous. Oh, my God. Oprah. Okay. We, we need our infamous. Oprah moment. We don't want to be infamous. We just want to be famous. Famous, not infamous. Okay. Well, this one stars Jasper Hammer. I don't even know if I like that name. I guess if I was a gal or, or maybe a gay man, I would say, yeah, Jasper is a hammer. Okay. But, but being or Billy Graves. a man I'm... who can appreciate a nice looking man. Yeah, I, I I could say that, but hey, Ben Hall's the other actor here, and he's got a mustache to die for. I guarantee he gave free mustache rides back in the eighties. Guaranteed. Go. There you, you go. know, I had a friend who used to say that he was given free mustache rides, or you know, he was given five dollar mustache rides, but he didn't really have a mustache. So if somebody said, "Well, you don't even have a mustache," he's like, "Yeah, they're free till I grow one." Oh boy, what kind of people are genie around? Well, hang on. I said he was a friend because he was nice to me, but I didn't hang around him. Okay. We worked together. Okay, I, when will not, this I will out? not be guilty by association. It's too late. When does this come out? This one is also September 2nd. Okay. As a matter of fact, I think everything that I've got here is September 2nd. Okay. But yeah, here we have all eyes from director Todd Greenlee. Now, I don't know a lot about Todd Greenlee. I usually try to do a lot of homework on my directors because it's almost like directors have a coaching tree. Like NFL guys know that, oh, that guy came from the the Bill Parcells coaching tree or that guy came from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. 
Well, Greenlee, I don't know a lot about him. I know that his direct directorial and editorial works are All Eyes, Home with a View of the Monster, and The Dirt. Those are his most notable works. Okay. But I don't know a ton about him other than that. But watching the trailer, I would give this movie a watch. Um, they don't do like the Harbinger, though, and give away the visuals. Like I said, we saw the, the devil in the in the trailer to Harbinger. We don't yeah. see the creature in the trailer to, to all eyes. Uh, I haven't seen the creature. I'm not saying we ever do see a creature in the film. It may be some weird metaphorical thing going on. But yeah. the trailer doesn't give it away either way. But what it does do is build enough suspense that I want to see it. And it does drop on video on demand on September 2nd. Do you want to see it because there's a creature in it? Or do you want to see it because there's actually some substance in there? It feels like some good substance. This is this is an indie film. Okay. okay. This oh, is okay. most definitely an indie film. And you know how we are about an indie film. Support indie film. Support indie film. Hashtag. Hashtag on both sides. Um, mm-hmm. But the suspense was built in this trailer. And that's why I watch trailers. I want... You're not going to get me with a title. Okay. Mm-hmm. People who avoid trailers do so a lot of times because there are so many spoilers. And I do feel like there were some spoilers in Harbinger's trailer. I've been just grossly spoiled on some films I really wanted to see. Like Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Not King of the Monsters, but... Well, yeah, Godzilla, King of the Monsters as well, but also Godzilla vs. Kong. I've talked about that, where they gave away the existence of Mechagodzilla. I could have lived without knowing we get that head-to-toe visual of the devil mm-hmm. in Harbinger. But they didn't give anything away here, but they built it up with proper suspense and enough visual that I know I'm going to be entertained by this film. Now, have you seen the previews for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? Scientists were so preoccupied with knowing to know, what is it, to know if they could. They never asked if they should. That's the that's the quote. That's the quote we need right now. What is the quote? I felt like there was a lot of commas and semicolons I in there. Said, Scientists were so preoccupied preoccupied with thinking that they could, they never um, thought about if they should. You know, the one from Jurassic Park. Why are they messing with Winnie? That's the whole point of my my thing right there. Well, this isn't like a new thing. Like I, I first saw the. Uh, the, the first trailer. This is trailer number one, and they're specifically calling it trailer number one because apparently there are going to be a few more. Now, this film is directed by Reese Waterfield, mm-hmm. okay? And this is, this is not new territory for him. He's not new to reimagining old stories, old children's stories, and turning them into horror stories. He tried to do the same thing with Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare, which I'm not really sure even happened because I never saw that it was released. I saw mm-hmm. that it was talked about, and that's all I got. Okay. Which, you know, he's done this with Jack and Jill as a producer. Uh, he's produced films about Krampus, Van Helsing. He did an Easter horror flick, something okay. about Loch Ness, um, Jack Frost. And so if you know Reese Waterfield, you know he loves taking traditionally lighthearted children's tales and nursery rhymes and turning them into something we can all love. The disfigurement and disembowelment of stories protagonists. We can all agree that's great, right? So he waited in the the dark for the licensing to lapse, and then he hopped up on destroying our childhood characters. I don't know if destroy. When's, when's the last time you talked about Winnie the Pooh? The other day. You are lying through your teeth. I have a fifteen-year-old. You can't, you can't lie. Fifteen-year-olds don't do anything with Winnie the Pooh. 
she does a lot. Unless you gave her your old hand-me-down toys because you no, refused we to buy her about, anything else. We were talking about how they all represented like depression and anxiety and <laughs> how, they, how those are really what the characters represent. So that's why we were talking about it. I want to hear more about that. It's true. They, all of the characters represent like the five problems, you know, of human, you know, like depression, anxiety. and Who's who? Piglet's um, anxiety, right? <laughs> yeah, Eeyore with his depression and we're not going to get into the, the the point is the man waited for the licensing to lapse and he hopped up on it and I guess now is this a real movie is it really a movie or it's is this really just... a movie okay it's really a movie and it looks fantastic I'm when, damn how, looking forward is it to be this available? that I don't know okay this is not a, this is not an imminent drop this uh they just released the uh the first trailer so we're bound to cover this a little bit further when they yeah. do make a you know a, a tangible date. But another big story is out of Hellraiser. Okay, the the new Pinhead has been announced, and it's played by Jamie Clayton, who you might remember from the L Word, Generation Q, mm -hmm. uh, designated survivor. She was on all the episodes of Sense Eight. Now, a lot of back and forth between members of the message boards and social medias about how Clive Barker is going woke by instilling a female pinhead. Well, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, Suki. Sometimes the source material is not the first movie you saw as a kid, okay? Sometimes those movies you watched in the 90s weren't even the first iterations of your favorite characters. Yes... Raul Julia was not the first Gomez Adams. Sometimes film and TV pull from these things called books. Okay, there's, <laughs> there's, there's these squares made up of pages. Got a lot of pages in between those squares, Suki. I know you've heard of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You lied about reading a lot of them when you were little, so I, I know you're familiar with them at least. And if you pull up the first square thing with pages from the Hellraiser saga, you'll find that the original iteration of Pinhead was, in fact, a being with feminine features, a high voice. In fact, gender wasn't even mentioned and was left purposely ambiguous as it did not fucking matter. Shut your face. A fictional character not based on what we think it was? <gasps> <clears throat> But the anti-woke crowd, I don't know how else to call them, they're crying themselves to sleep because we've got female heroines in films like Prey where they say, oh my god, a group of full, just full of soldiers like Arnold and Jesse Ventura and Carl Weathers couldn't beat a predator. So how's a little berry picking Indian girl gonna beat him? Never mind the fact that the native tribe did a number on the predator as well as the French poachers, <laughs> and that's not even a side with the anti-wokesters, but to show you that your arguments lack any kind of preparation or substance to tell the truth, now go back to Pinhead. Guys, y'all are missing something that makes us guys. I don't know if you've seen Jamie Clayton, but as a red-blooded American shallow male, I like the idea of her fine ass walking around in skin tight leather with a whole <laughs> lot of evil in her. <laughs> it just just gets right to your core of who you are. I mean, right to there. to my very core. Okay, it's like Eddie Murphy said it best. Suki, you ever see Vampire in Brooklyn? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so Eddie Murphy said it best in Vampire in Brooklyn. He said, without evil, there can be no good. Like night and day, black and white. So if evil doesn't exist, you can't have any good. So without evil, good can only exist with the existence of evil. Mm-hmm. And then he saw the Reverend. He said the Reverend was walking around with a $2 hoe. He told him, don't be ashamed you went out and got you a little ass. Ass is good. Mm-hmm. Evil's good. Ass is good. Mm-hmm. And if you find you a piece of evil ass, woo! You just needed a moment for that whole thing to go down, didn't you? Suki, when I tell you Jamie Clayton <laughs> might be that piece of evil ass that we've been waiting to take us to the promised land, I tell no lies. Hey, and this is Friday too? Is this no, this, this well? no, this film is not ready to drop yet. Okay. This one's still in uh, still in production. We can probably find how far along they are, but no, this is a uh, this this one's still you know adding to the uh, you know to to the random items that come along with the uh, the update. I don't think anything Hellraiser related has been announced as far as as far as that goes. But I mean, it's got a it's got mm. a big cast. The release date, it looks like, will be in October, early October. And it will be coming to Hulu, straight to Hulu, not even in theaters. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're not too far away. Just a month, just a month and a few days, it looks like. I'm down with it. I know, it got a little bit weird there, Suki. But let's keep it rolling. Let's get weird. Definitely. So, did you know that today, in 1985, the remains of the Titanic were found? You're telling me mm-hmm. that it had been underwater mm-hmm. for that long, and it wasn't until 85 that they found it? 73 years after it sank. I wonder why it took so long. I don't know. Listen, I'm wondering if it was... So they said they discovered the wreckage, so maybe they just did not have the right equipment to actually discover it. By 85? I mean, Cousteau was Were we already not going doing down his that stuff. Far? Maybe they just had a general idea. I maybe wonder no if... I mean, I don't know. It's the most fabled vessel there ever was. It took over seven decades to find the ship's remains. I'm sure at one point they gave up on it and then accidentally found it. Who found it? Who found it? Dr. Robert D. Ballard of Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in Massachusetts and a team of American and French researchers. Well, that's easy for you to say. Hmm. Yeah. So, a couple of other things. Two young brothers survived a ship without a guardian. They were two years apart in age and were nicknamed the Titanic Orphans. Their father kidnapped them from their mother and then went down in the ship. Who went down in the ship? The father and the kids? The kids survived, but they were stolen from their mom. So, you know, the mom's back, you know, wherever she was. So, there's no mama now because this is, you know, 70. I mean, how many years ago? Nobody's like writing their mama through like an email. Like, hey, mama, come get us. You know, like, how are they going to get in contact with their mother? So the dad takes them, gets them aboard this ship. The Titanic goes down. They lose the dad. They are orphaned. I never understood where exactly the Titanic was going. Wasn't it going to end up in the same place that it that it started? It was America. It was England to America. So this, so it wasn't like a cruise where you're going to end up in the same place you started? No. This was like giving, sending patches or, like, so I guess how we fly, they rode boats. To get yeah, to I, I grasped that. I guess I was right. thinking it was like a carnival cruise. And no, it was, so it wasn't it was a leisure trip. 
It was like, hey, we're going from point A to point B. Yeah, that's how I've always said. That's what I took from the movie. So from the United States to England or from England to the no, United States? England to the U.S. Because when um, Leonardo DiCaprio hops on, isn't he going for a new life? In America? Yeah, why did none of those people have British accents? They did. Did they? I've never seen the movie, but I didn't think Leo had... You've never had... seen the movie? Why are we even discussing this? Like You brought it up to Let's Get Weird. Yes, I brought it up, but you're, you have to see the movie to envision what I mean when I say Leonardo on this ship and with the accents and stuff. Is he speaking with a British accent, Leo? He's speaking with the, like a cockney, I think. I think it's like oh, a cockney. I want to... <laughs> okay okay the musicians as the ship went down played for like two hours so they really did in the movie it depicts the people playing as the ship goes down and they really did play as it went they played down until they were done they played until they were literally done over with that's wild now there's one <laughs> there's one thing that i do want to know like, I don't want to know it so bad that I go see the movie. Because th this is, like, my claim to fame. I've never seen the Titanic movie at all. Not even the, the first moment I know who's in it. I don't know. This I, is not a... Hey, okay. I want to know, though. Was there room for him on whatever flotation device the bitch was using? No, there was no room. There was no room. And she was a good person. And I oh. will die on that hill. She loved that man. Well, Leo would have liked the chance to die on a hill, but instead he died in the water because of her. So we can debate that, you know. We can also we talk are. about Forrest Gump. But no, I got one more thing to tell you. So Milton well, Hershey was Forrest Gump? I will not and, sit here and let you disparage the good goddamn name of Forrest Gump. Jenny, Jenny loved him. Jenny loved him. Rose loved Leo. This is, this is what it is. Okay, Milton Hershey was supposed to be on that boat but he did the chocolate not. guy the chocolate guy i'm glad he stuck around one guy who was the richest man i guess he was richer than milton hershey he said if i'm gonna go down i'm gonna go down in style and changed into his best suit like these were real gangsters out there you know what i'm saying they were like you know what i'm going down going down to see the good lord in my sunday best when they find him he's going to be the best looking corpse that they ever found. Why did you ruin that? Why did you ruin that for me? Anyway, what? so yeah, so <laughs> that's that's what happened. That's a really good story. Now I need to yeah. look. I need to look around and maybe read up on it. Now I don't want to read. I don't want to see the fictionalized version of Leo because you don't like, the love story. I don't want that. I actually the, these movies came out when I believe I was in high school. Okay, I purposely if there was a love theme. To the movie, I purposely didn't see it. That's ridiculous. That's it ridiculous because you wouldn't have seen um, ba not, um, batteries, batteries included, batteries not included. Oh, one of the greatest oh. movies ever. But that was a lot longer ago yeah, than Titanic. That was a whole yeah. decade before. But now I'm talking about Titanic. Talking about the one with Nick Cage and I think maybe Meg Ryan. Maybe not Meg Ryan though. Um, City of Angels. You've never seen City of Angels? Never once. And there's another oh my one. Oh, what's, what's the one with the Aerosmith song and Bruce Willis? Uh, all of the movies? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, maybe maybe uh, Ben Affleck's in it? All, all of them? I don't 
maybe what what movie shares both Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck where they have orange jumpsuits and they go into space? Oh, 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 oh! I know what you're talking about. Uh, inter- if, not if, Interstellar. It's not Interstellar, is it? It's... Yeah. See, if it wasn't a horror flick, I wasn't seeing it back then. So, so you didn't see it. Okay. I so you want to? So I guess we both need to do our research on the Titanic because I just knew that it got discovered. Armageddon. Armageddon's Armageddon. Never saw it, and it makes me mad because I, because one of my one of my favorite I don't want to call him a B actor, but he's not like a headliner guy. One of Mm -hmm. my favorite guys is Bill Fickner, and he was in the movie as like the ship's captain, I think. And like here, I I have to ignore the movie because of the the love theme, the 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 love factor. Like I'm not a romantic movie kind of guy. Horror so films time. horror films serve the same purpose as chick flicks. We only put them on with a gal so she'll scoot over just a little bit closer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, if at the end of this movie she's starting to compare me to Ben Affleck and be like, you know what, you motherfucker? Ben Affleck would have done this for me. So therefore they are setting up improper expectations. Is we can't right? act like we just met all the time, okay? Are you serious? I'm serious as a heart attack. We, I, I can't act like we just met all the time. So don't get these impossible expectations from these little lovey-dovey movies. Now, a horror flick, she has no such expectations. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> She's only happy I'm not going to stab her. So, <laughs> I cannot so win-win. Ruin titanic I, for me i can't believe you just did that like in one single hand swoop just chop that door in half you know that's what i do guys when we get back we've got the director the creator the screenwriter of the film yeah. the trip a psychedelic horror film are you looking forward to this suki i am so very much so very much and i'm looking forward to talking to him yes we have dean jacobs when we come back so stick around Hey everyone, Christian Rout here from Slasher Sports. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. If so, do us a favor and like, subscribe, and share so our audience can grow and we can keep giving you more of your favorite content moving forward. Find all of our work on SlasherSports.com and on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Slasher Sports, as well as Instagram at Slasher Sports Media. And of course, be sure to continue to tune in to the Slasher Sports Show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, always free and available. New episodes published daily during the week. Once again, thank you so much and always for your support. And now back to the show. Well, I don't want to be telling tales out of school here, but our movie of the week is brand new indie flick called The Trip, a psychedelic horror film. And it's brought to us from the mind of Dean Jacobs, who wrote and directs this film. And there's a Kickstarter campaign for The Trip. If you're not familiar with Kickstarter, uh, that's all right. It's, It's a way for creators and backers to stay connected and fund those projects. And there's only 14 more days to go on this one. So to talk more about it, we welcome Dean Jacobs. Welcome. Welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Glad no, to be sir. Here. Thank you for being here. This was this thing was thrown together pretty fast, and we do appreciate you coming on to talk about your film on such a short notice. But in the past couple of days, no doubt, in in the past couple of days, I wanted to familiarize myself as much as I could with what's out there to see and hear. Uh, first thing I did was bring up the trailer, and I don't want to get mm-hmm. ahead of myself, but the trailer I saw was you arriving at like a rural home uh in this exquisite pontiac yeah uh, 
first of all, is that your Pontiac? No, no, no. Movie magic. Uh, You reach out to someone with a real nice car and you make it happen. It is pretty fly. It is fly. It beats up driving up in a 94 Cavalier. Okay, so uh, you you did a good job Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the... That's sort of the thing, you know, you have an aesthetic when you make a film and you want it to make it, you want it to look beautiful and, you know, you, you get a gorgeous car and it'll do the work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful car, beautiful setting. It looks like, uh, but as soon as you get there, there's this sense of paranoia that immediately casts its shadow over you. And my first question, um, is this set of clips in the trailer? Um, is that from the film or is it more of a concept? Well, what we did is in uh, November of last year, when we were first starting in pre-production, I got a small crew and we went back to Pennsylvania and cut the trailer with the intention that we would use some of that footage in the film as well, um, you know, to trim the fat once we get on set and we're shooting. So we already have some of this stuff taken care of. So, yeah, you might see some of that in the film, um, but the main goal for, for that shoot was just to be able to cut a trailer from it. Great. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Sucked in completely. Um, yeah. Invested. I want to see. Because mm-hmm. first of all, um, not to get off topic here, but, you know, the subject of psychedelics is a uh, it's a pretty hot topic. Um, thanks to a, a few different big time podcasters who dabble in it and swear by it. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I guess we, without getting too far into the story, um, I'm sure there's some sort of degree of the reality of, I guess, psychedelic usage that plays into this and what you feel and what you hear. I've only heard positives from, I mean, people who, who do use psychedelics um, regularly do so in a controlled environment, and they have some of the most enlightening, um, I guess, experiences that... Yeah. You, this is like life, life-changing experiences. Yeah, for sure. And if you, you look at it that way, life-changing experiences and your perception within the trip uh you could turn that on its head and say things could go really really south you know um and when you are dealing with psychedelics especially psilocybin um you have a little bit of an ability to control your trip um but that's not always the case and the the sort of theme behind this movie is where is the line drawn between perception and reality? So that's that's sort of the fear that comes from this film is that these guys take this trip to a farmhouse in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's you know supposed to be a relaxing weekend with old friends. They dabble in some sub- substances and uh, things go sideways. So what are you answering? Are you answering that in the film? Whether it gets turned on his head or not? Are you... Are you leaving that up to the viewer? No, there it will be clearly <laughs> turned on its head. I like it. Yeah, if things don't get turned on the head, you've basically got you know a, a buddy film. You don't have a horror film, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I could dig that though. But let, let's talk about the cast that we know will be in the film. Um, yeah. Again, here at Slasher Sports, you know, we like to dispel that false dichotomy. That athletes and nerds can never interact, n- never intersect, rather, and show that yes, jocks love a good scare and nerds can play hey, ball. I'll interrupt you there. I was a Division One wrestler in college. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. What, what state? Proving, proving the value of this podcast right there. Right. 
what right state, there? The best state for wrestling in the country, Pennsylvania. Minnesota, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, well, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, geez, man, that that's fantastic. Um, you know, I was in judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu for about a decade and a half, so that's uh, kind of long. But but wrestlers have a whole different a whole different uh, I guess fortitude. You want to train athletics? Yeah, you can have the you know the, the baseball running, the basketball running, football contact. Nobody trains like wrestlers. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. I'm, I'm not trying to blow you up, but that's a, that's always been my mentality. I said, well, hey, at least we're not training like the wrestlers right now. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's good. But hey, I mean, th- you just proved it though. Um, we can and often do intersect. Right. We actually ran a Twitter poll, um, which of, of course is you know limited to our followers and maybe a few retweets. But sure. we asked, uh, "What are you here for? Are you here for uh, are the horror only, the sports only, sports and horror, or do you not really know what you're doing here?" And the overwhelming favorite was sports and horror. So that's yeah. our that's our story. We're sticking to it, but. But man, a lot of our readers and listeners are going to know the name Luke Edwards. And he's a name that you would recognize if you remember the film Little Big League. All you jocks, he played Billy Haywood, the the fan slash coach, uh, or manager rather, of the Minnesota Twins. But he's been in film his whole life. Uh, What led to Luke joining the cast? You know, every aspect about getting this cast together has been really serendipitous. Luke was the first person outside of there's two other guys that I was friends with prior. Luke was the first outside actor that I approached. And he just happened to be a friend of a friend here in Los Angeles who is a filmmaker. And I basically said, hey, will you will you get Luke this script and see what he thinks? Um, a couple of days later, I got an email says he thinks it's a trip. Let's let's do this. And that's how it goes. That is awesome. That is awesome. I saw a little appearance in your, um, I guess you could call them vignettes. Um, I don't sure, think yeah. vin- vignettes the right word, but I'm going to say vignette because I like it. It's French. Um, <laughs> what, Suki? What? Say something. We can fact check that. Okay. Well, I saw that. I mean, he didn't really give much of an introduction. He's like, what am I even doing here? <laughs> and I love yeah. that. I love the, uh, the approach. But, um, I mean, he's been in a lot of things, and that's just kind of what our uh you know, our listener base would know him from probably. Um, I'm excited to yeah. see what he does here. Um, Evan Sloan, uh, he's been in a few things: Fear the Walking Dead, Killer Killer Base, What, uh, and he said this is guerrilla filmmaking. What did he mean by that? Uh, it means that when we hit the ground running in Pennsylvania, we do everything we have to do to get this film made. Um, now, in terms of like what the industry would say, genre or guerrilla filmmaking is. That's like technical, a lot of handheld movements of the camera. But what he means is that we're just going to be out there doing whatever we have to do, getting our hands dirty to make this film. I love it. Love it. Hannah Fearman. Okay. First yes. of all, the, the, the biggest eyes on earth, and they are brown too. Beautiful gal. Yes. VHS, Siren, Creep Show, The Vampire Diaries. So in casting this film, were there casting calls or was this like, you know what? I've got this role. I need this person. Let's get it done. How'd that happen? It's definitely the latter. Uh, my approach to casting was, I'm sure, a lot different than a lot of other people. I do have the advantage of being an actor in Los Angeles, so I have that going for me and I have a certain amount of connections that way. 
Um, and really, it was just I have I, I know the script so well because I wrote it. Um, and so I know what I want to see from all of the characters. And it's a matter of, OK, who's out there? Who, who might be good for this role and who can I get in contact with? And that's really the way it happened. Hannah, in particular, I was watching VHS. I had never seen it before. I was not familiar with her. And as soon as she appears on screen in that bar scene, she sucks you in. And she is mesmerizing throughout that whole film. And by the end of that movie, I was like, who is this girl? I've got to find her. And I did. And you got her in this film. And we're glad you did, man. Um, I, I wanted to save one guy for last. So Calvin Dittmore, the Kickstarter page says specifically he was plucked from obscurity. Plucked <laughs> from obscurity. I know that's got to be a dig, but uh, tell us about Calvin Dittmore. Calvin and I are close enough that he can accept that as a joke. Um, it seemed no, like it Calvin in the vignettes. Is, Calvin is great. He is a longtime friend. He used to live in Los Angeles, a big improv guy. Um, so I've worked with him in that aspect before. So I know he's super talented. Um, but he got married, you know, and he, he went back and bought a house and started a family. So his life shifted. But the role was written for him. And so when I started getting this going, getting the ball rolling, I called him and I was like, hey, man, this was for you. I'm getting this movie going. And if you still want to play this role, it's yours. And he said, yeah. So I, I'm glad to have him. One, one thing about Calvin, he's really funny. Like I said, he's an improv guy. His claim to fame, he was once invited to audition for Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live doesn't do open audition. They oh. see you and they request you to audition for the show. So he wants audition for Saturday Night Live. Oh, that is, I like that. I would claim I that. That, would, that would go on my yeah. business card. You said that he's um, improv. When you have someone that's improv like that, but you have a script, do you let them have as much freeway or leeway as they want? Or do you kind of rein them back in? I think that's a good question. Um, it's going to be up to each director. Me personally, uh, I'm going to let I'm going to let the actors play a little bit in the scene. Uh, we're going to be comfortable enough to know the beats that we need to hit, but we're also going to be conversational and you know playing in the moment, seeing what comes out of it. I think that's part of the art is to to be there in the moment and create with what you're working with. Well, it's funny you say that. We had, well, we didn't have a conversation. I had a conversation with Jim Burkett, who directed uh, a film called Coherence, who, which mm -hmm. may not be uh, a well-known title here in the United States, but somehow uh, Coherence got huge in China. Don't know how that happened. Uh, it was a, just a random thing where something blows up somewhere. But Jim Burkett came on to uh, one of my other podcasts, and he talked about using an improv a set of improv actors and um, his entire film coherence is largely improv. They had their beats that they would have to hit. And then he just trusted his cast to uh, make good conversation and get to point a for, to get to point B from point a. And sometimes it works out for the better. It did in the case of coherence. And uh, so you're saying that you're kind of in, in between there. We've got a light script, but I'm not going to rein you in unless you start getting really out there. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and plus, I mean, we're independent, low-budget horror, so it's not like I'm working with ten million dollars and we can spend three months fucking around. Yeah, right, right, right. No doubt. Well, you know, we talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about the new Hellraiser film coming out, and we've got a we've got a new figurehead 
in uh, the Cenobites. But you've got the OG. You've got Mr. Doug Bradley, who was Pinhead himself in the original films. Tell me what kind of magic you had to work to, to get that to happen. Well, uh, first off, I'm, I'm just I'm thrilled that he's going to be in this film. The role that he plays is great. Uh, I can't wait to show it to people. Uh, but the truth of it, I had worked with Doug on another horror film in Pennsylvania. We didn't have scenes together, but we were in the same film. It was called Scream Park, low-budget horror film from, I don't know, almost 10 years ago now. But he had a small role in that, and he lives in Pennsylvania, which is where we're shooting. Um, so I knew he was in the area. I reached out to his manager, sent the script. He said he'd do it. And that's how it happens. Yes. I don't think Doug Bradley gets spoken about enough in the horror community. Like people talk about Robert England. They talk about your Kane Hodders. Um, they even, you know, put over uh, James U. Courtney lately because of the, the relevance of the Halloween films. But Doug Bradley is a guy who completely defines the role of Pinhead. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what they do with, uh, you know, the, the, the new girl. She's going to be, she's going to be great. Yeah. She's hi- highly touted. I can't wait for, and they're kind of going to go back to the, you know, like we said, to the, the original source material, but it's going to yeah. be good. This is going to be great. Tell me about collective imagination productions. This isn't just you. This is a collection of, uh, of filmmakers, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Probably about um, about 10 years ago, a group of us got together here in Los Angeles to make a short film. It was actually a few of my friends from Pittsburgh, who we all lived in Los Angeles together at the time. So we came together and made this short film called Cave. And after that, I we wanted to parlay it into something else. So I said, why not create a collective of artists? You know, why not bring everything that everybody has to the table and come together and make art, make films, and put them out into the world. It's, it's really just as simple as that. You get people that you're close with that care about the same things that you care about, and you get out there and you do it. I love that. I mean, th- that's kind of how we all do things, right? Uh, especially early on in our careers. We, we find like-minded people that we know we can work with, and we just see what kind of magic can happen. I mean, that, that's Absolutely. what we did. I mean, it's the, same, it's the same thing with the podcast. You you find something that you're passionate about and you want to tell people, other people about it. And you find some other people that want to do it with you. It's that simple. That is a fact. Uh, Christian Rao is my partner over at Slasher Sports. I'd known Suki for a good, I don't know, like maybe eight years prior like to. years in Twitter life because that... we're like <laughs> best friends, right? Correct. Because uh, the fact is I interact with you more in a week than I have with my high school friends that I right. over the past, you know, 20 years, 20, no, 22 years now. So that's just kind of how it works. But um, I guess we should tell our listeners what types of perks or incentives, you know, other than just simply helping out to get a fun horror project off the ground, uh, but it's going to help get this fun horror project off the ground. And I'm talking about the Kickstarter pledge rewards, now, yes. Kickstarter does facilitate pledges as low as $10 without rewards, and that's always appreciated, I'm sure. But could you run down some of the other perks? I feel like there's a lot of great reasons to, to help get this thing going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I wanted it to be, you know, an experience for people to, to, you know, feel like they're a part of this film and helping us make this film. 
So yeah, you can you can easily get a digital download of the film. You can pre-order it, um, but you can also have something like a walk-on role in the film and come join us on Devil's Night in Pittsburgh while we shoot. Like, I mean, I think that's pretty cool. Like, that's fantastic. Halloween season, Devil's Night on the set of a horror film, and you get a walk-on role in the movie. Come on. Um, what's Devil's Night? The night before Halloween. Okay, I'm ready. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. That's one perk there if you're an actor. If you don't care about being on screen, you know, you can get a special thanks credit. We're doing posters, T-shirts, IMDb credit. You can even be a producer on this film if you want to do that. Um, So, I mean, there's tons of options there. We also have another cool one, which I think could be an option for really anybody. I've been pitching it to adults with children. Um, you, You can send me a photo. Send us a photo, and I'll put you somewhere in the film, sort of like an Easter egg, you know? I'll put you on the side of a milk carton or I'll put you on a missing poster somewhere on the, in the film, hey. you know, on a telephone pool or something like that. That's wild. That is absolutely right? wild. Mm. Yeah, guys, this is a, this is a, a really fun opportunity to have fun and help some people out making a film that they're passionate about. I love that idea. I, I didn't see that listed on the Kickstarter. Um, maybe I overlooked it. It's there, Actually, baby. No, I, I did see. It. Yeah, this is the, the this is the two hundred fifty dollars pledge. This is not uh, an impossible thing for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, the, be in the movie. Yeah, I sort of merch. thought that. Like my thought thinking was, yeah, maybe no, not everyone has nine hundred dollars and can get themselves to Pittsburgh to be in the movie. We lost you. Did we lose you? I think we lost Dean. We'll keep it radio silent till we get it back. Guys, Hi. welcome I'm back, so, my man. My phone literally overheated. <laughs> well, That's how hot this conversation high. was. Right. It's also 100 degrees in Los Angeles, so I'm like sweating my face off right now. There's always that. There's always that possibility. I can see you now, though. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hot. Okay. But I'm back. Well, I hope I didn't screw us up too bad. Oh, it's it's terrible. We have to start from the beginning. Just kidding. Right. No, you, you were just talking about the um, you know, the incentive to uh, send in a photo, and you know, you can get like your yourself or your your child or your pet or somebody, uh, you know, kind of hidden yeah, as an Easter egg. Thing I really, the only other thing I really wanted to say about the Kickstarter is pretty important to the potential of attaching Tom Savini to the film. Um, he has expressed an interest in being a part of the project. He lives in Pittsburgh, but, you know, he, he's a well-established actor that deserves the money that he requests. So basically, if we can meet this Kickstarter goal, I feel confident I can get Tom Savini in this film. And I think that is a game changer. I mean, the godfather of gore, the special effects master of all horror films. So it would be huge. Yeah, if, if you had a, a, a Mount Rushmore of, of, of effects and... If you have more than one face on there, that one face, one of those faces will be Tom Savini, if not the only face up there. He is a legend of horror. He's done everything, been everywhere. So to have him on your project with Doug Bradley would be absolutely bananas, first of all. Absolutely sure. bananas. And guys, we're this is a, you know, a project that we're, again, two weeks away, two full weeks away from the end of. And, you know, They've we've almost gotten um, nine grand real, you know, realized here, and 
it's not impossible to make this happen. And Dean, I really do hope that we're able to make that happen. Um, yeah, I is there too. I mean, we're about we're about halfway there. Two weeks. About left. halfway That's there. Easy. Yeah, halfway there. And two weeks to go. Uh, is there any talk? Is it even a possibility? I don't know how Kickstarter really works. Is there a possibility of extending that um, that end date? If, uh, if we're really close. No, Kickstarter has a firm, once you select how long the campaign runs, you can't change that. Um, you never know. I might have some tricks up my sleeve. Well, hey, we really hope so. Well, before we let you go, uh, we, we do want to have you tell everybody where they can find you on your social medias. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can find us at The Trip Film on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also find us at the trip film on Facebook. That's two E's T H E E. Um, collective imagination is also on Twitter at collective imagine and, uh, you can find me in the streets. Oh, word. <laughs> word. We are going to have those linked in the episode bio to this podcast. So by all means, check out the bio, find everybody. We're going to link everything that we can, including the Kickstarter guys. If you got a few bucks laying around, throw them their way this is going to be a fun film yeah thank you you have any final thoughts before we sign off so excited especially how like isolated i felt from just watching the trailer i felt so alone and i think that's the essence that you want to bring forward and i i just really hope you're able to get that off the ground Love it. I'm going to go trip, trip on some mushrooms right now. So let me remind everybody, SlasherSports.com. Find us on Twitter and TikTok at SlasherSports, um, on Instagram at SlasherSportsMedia. Again, we've got everything in sports entertainment from baseball to horror flicks. Now go forth, and may you drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children. See you next week.